In a time when gladiators ruled the AHL and NHL with an iron fist, few dared to challenge these mountains of men, but one man with the heart of a lion would face them all. Born John Morasti, he would later be associated to one of the most legendary nicknames of all time. This is his story. On Bucket Draw. Wing time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Sound, 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 sound. Let me see your shoulders work. I mean, I don't know what y'all came here to do, but uh, yeah. if you ain't got a lighter, what the fuck you smoking for? What the fuck though? Where the love go? Five, four, three, two, I let one go. Wow, get the fuck though. I don't bluff, bro. Aiming at your head like a buffalo. You're a rough neck. I'm a cutthroat. You're a tough guy. That's enough jokes. Then the sun dies. Welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast. I'd like to introduce an absolute legend in the hockey world, John Nasty Marasty. How are you? How's your bad yourself? I'm very good. So, uh, John, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, definitely. It's my pleasure. I honestly don't think I can describe the true toughness you displayed along your illustrious career, especially over an on-the-phone interview, but I'll do my very best. 15 years of professional hockey and just battling constantly in every sense of the word. So, uh, folks that may not know the name because you were living under a rock, John Morassi would have his picture in the dictionary next to a hockey fighter. The guy threw absolute bombs while receiving punches. The first time I ever heard of you, John, was when I was working a summer job, and uh, I used to have a bit of spare time, I guess. And uh, there was a website called Break.com. There was one video called Best Hockey Fight of All Time, and I believe that was against Jeremy Yablonski. And uh, can you tell me a bit about those battles and how you prepared yourself mentally for that? <laughs> Yeah, Jeremy's actually from my hometown. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he now lives down in Texas, but uh, you know, I don't even know what what fight you're talking about because we've had we've we've had about I think six or seven, and, this and they were one of those. Yeah, one one of the one of the few. Yeah, so you know, yeah, it was uh, you know going going to battle against Jeremy was always a uh, was kind of a scary one because you know you knew you could get hurt, and at the same time, you know, it was uh, a little bit of an ego thing. You know, he's we're both in the same town and. Uh, you know, he's a few years older than I am, but I always kind of looked up to him when I was younger. So, you know, it's always always going up against a guy like that who's, you know, one of the best at that time in the game is, uh, was really exciting. And uh, I love the challenge. And, and, you know, Jeremy was kind of a, a fighter like I was. You know, he liked to open up and, uh, you know, basically let the best man win. And, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was a blast. And, and uh, to this day, Jeremy and I remain good friends. And, and, you know, he's one of the toughest guys that I've ever fought. That's really amazing, and like I can't even wrap my head around punching like that without, uh, you know, uh, obviously you're protecting your face somewhat, but I mean, uh, sometimes not protecting your face. So those fights were absolutely uh, legendary. And uh, the kids growing up, like they'll have to go on YouTube to see what it meant to be a true tough guy back then. And uh, not to mention, like those were absolute marathons for the most part. Like, like how do you prepare yourself cardio-wise for like battles like that? Like, what did you do for like on ice, off ice training? Sorry. Yeah, and no, no problem at all. You know, it's uh, being able to fight. They, you know, a lot of people just think it's just a fight, but you know, there's a lot of training that goes behind that. You know, I was probably one of the one of the more conditioned guys to go go for like for a long distance times, and, and you know, that was a lot of hard work in the summer times. You know, sparring and, and boxing and and biking and jogging and running and sprints. You know, I go can go on and on, and and uh, you know, you basically train all summer and you know your whole off season to be able to prepare for those because. You know, a 30-second fight to the fan doesn't seem very long, but, you know, and I remember after those fights going off the ice and, you know, I could almost puke, uh, you know, and then you get a lot of guys that say, oh, that's just a show, it's not a real fight, you know. Trust me, my, my sleeps on the bus were, my head was pounding and swollen, so uh, 
it's just something that we do and i think that you can't really tr- train a guy or teach a guy to do that because i think you're you're born with it and and uh you know for a guy like me i love to get hit because it kind of got me more mentally prepared you know to say holy shit i need to wake up here and, and get going so um you know people might find that strange but it, it was always good for me and it was kind of my my style and and you know i was a guy that liked, liked to live toe to toe you know i didn't didn't believe in grappling or wrestling and and uh you know i wanted it to be exciting but at the same time i, I wanted to uh to win and and you know you can't win them all and uh you just keep going and and let the best man win well you definitely put on an amazing show so i'm sure all the fans were really thankful i watched the ice guardians movie and the Granton goes on to say that yeah he would actually get going when receiving a punch so sometimes he purposely let his opponent get one in like kind of what would turn on a switch for you right yeah, definitely. Like I said, you know, they say skilled guys, guys like Wayne Gretzky, when they were when they when they played hockey, they said everything slowed down for them, and it was kind of kind of kind of resembled the same thing that you know when you're fighting. You know, I felt that you know a fight that was 30 seconds to to, to the to the viewer was actually felt like it was 20 minutes to me. You know, there's times where you're sitting there thinking, shit, you know, I'm kind of getting beat here, and you got 10,000 people watching you get beat up, and you, you know that you have to to improve or do something to get yourself out of that slump. So. You know, everything kind of went in slow motion when you get in those fights. And, uh, you know, like I said, you just read and react. And, and one of the things that I reacted to was, like, was getting hit hard. It kind of almost pumped me up to try harder. And, and uh, obviously, you don't want to get hit too much. But at the same time, you know, it was, a, it was a great experience and a great time. And I don't reg- have any regrets at all. That's great. I know you've been interviewed many times, but uh, can you give me a bit of background on how you began your journey towards professional hockey? And, like, at the same time, uh, how the fighting began exactly? That was kind of it's kind of actually a weird story because to be honest, as a young kid growing up, I was one of the more skilled guys, you know, in minor hockey. You know, as a as a kid, you know, five from five years old to probably thirteen, I was always you know thirteen, fourteen. I was always one of the best players in the team, and and you know, I was I didn't believe in fighting to be honest. I shouldn't say I didn't believe in it. I just didn't really know of it. And uh, you know, having a couple older cousins that played some some semi pro and stuff, and and they they were tough guys. So I kind of just and almost fell into that to that role. I uh, started off going in at a young age to a junior camp in Kindersley. And I think I kind of laughed because I just took my my son, Tristan, to, to the same camp, you know, 20 years later. But I remember when I went as a, as a 15-year-old to that camp, I think I fought 16 times the whole weekend. And, you know, that's just over three days. So, you know, now kids don't fight 16 times in their whole career. So it just kind of fell into that role. And, and I made a team at a young age as as, a, as an enforcer. And you know, I just kind of went along with it, and, and I was good at it. So if you're good at it, why not try to keep going and go as far as you can? And, you know, someone like me with my height and stuff, you know, I had a lot of doubters too. I used to have guys tell me all the time, well, you're too small to be a tough guy. You'll never make it. And I kind of enjoyed proving people wrong, you know. You know, playing in, in minor hockey, I started fighting, and guys would say you'd never make it to the junior ranks. And then, you know, next year I was in the junior ranks. And then, you know, you'll never be in the Western League, in the WHL, and major junior is a tough guy. And, you know, the following year I was – one of the toughest guys in the WHL and then, you know, vice versa, I just kept going and going right until I actually got to play a couple of games in the NHL and fight some of the big boys. So, you know, just being able to, to chase those dreams and, and, and prove people wrong was a lot of the drive that I had. But yeah, it was a, it was a long career and, and I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I love to be that guy to stick up for my teammates and to help teams win and, and at the same time provide entertainment to the fans, you know. I think a lot of fans followed me, but a lot of fans hated me. And I think you're not doing your job right if fans don't hate you. So, like I said, it was just a, an awesome ride. And and uh, if I could do it all over again, I definitely would. 
you were you're mentioning uh, the WHL a while ago. So uh, were you uh, drafted to the WHL? No, actually, I went undrafted. I I I think my whole career I kind of went the hard way, you know, even to get to to the American Hockey League. I had to really battle my way. Um, so the way I got to the Western League was just a, a year of uh, playing in the SJHL, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. I you know, I think I fought anybody and everybody as a as a 16 year old kid. I was fighting all the 20 year old guys, and 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 I wasn't losing, so I know I was doing good. And and the following year, actually, uh, it was kind of funny. A buddy of mine, his name's Corey McKee, was the assistant coach of the North Battleford North Stars, and that was actually our rival team. And and a guy called him and said, "Who's the toughest kid in in the SJHL that can play in a dub?" And he recommended me. And you know. Next thing you know, I was in the Western Hockey League playing and fighting guys like David Bugard and Steve McIntyre and, you know, Colton Orr. There's a lot of those big names that were playing when I was there. Uh, unfortunately, I never got the opportunity to fight a guy like Colton Orr, but, you know, those guys were all there and, and I was fighting those guys and doing really well at it. And, you know, and then I ended up going to the East Coast Hockey League and battling there and, and then went and played a stint in the Quebec Senior League. And, and then, you know, next thing you know, I got an opportunity in the American Hockey League and and that opened some doors for me, and, and you know I got to see the world and play in Russia, and you know hockey was been treated me really well, and and uh, you know I just I wish that the game didn't change the way it's changed because uh, you know I went to an NHL game just last week, and let me tell you it's a it's a different game. Oh, definitely. <laughs> One of the reasons I actually got into podcasting was because. Uh... I'm uh, an avid listener of Spittin' Chicklets, which uh, one of their uh, hosts is Paul Bissonnette, and he gives you a lot of praise and just talks about how difficult it was to fight you. And, uh, you know, when when you get punched, it didn't phase you. So, like, uh, when in your life did you find out that you could, like, you know, like, hey, I can really take a shot? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm a, from a young age, uh, you know, I think as, as long as I can remember that I fought, that's the way I wanted to fight was to be a guy that, you know, guys knew they could hit me as hard as they wanted. I'd look back and smile at them. And, you know, it's great to see a guy like Paul Bissonnette, you know, is nasty uh, to, to do as well as he's done even after the life after hockey. So, you know, I love to see the success that he has. And that's awesome. You know, it's he's doing really well for himself. But at the same point for me, you know, just it's the way I fought and I you know, wouldn't change it one bit. One one question that I was going to ask you right off the hop, as I watched a few YouTube videos, I would hear the chance of uh, nasty, nasty going on in like where did that nickname come from? And obviously it has to do with your 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 toughness. But uh, like where does the nickname come from? And like when you were in those fights, did you can you hear that while you're in the moment? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, you could hear it the odd time. But to be honest, when 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 the gloves came off, I kind of was in a zone where I didn't I didn't really hear people. You know, on the outside, I was just focused on one thing. And and uh, you know, but you go back and watch all the videos, and you're like, wow, that's pretty wild. You know, to have the support of the fans and and obviously uh, you know it gives you that extra that extra boost to do what you have to do to, to try to win. But, you know, the fans were played a big part in my career because obviously I wasn't a guy that was scoring goals or, you know, being an all-star out there. I was there to, to set the tone of the game. And, and uh, you know, I still think that, that the role I had plays a huge part in hockey, you know. You know, take the Quebec League, for example. You know, the team usually with the toughest – the team with the toughest guys usually won won the league. So, um, but, yeah, fans were a key part of my, my whole career. You know, I had a big following and – and I appreciate all of it, and I even appreciate the ones that cheered against me. You know, and it just made me go harder. And and for the nickname, uh, I think that just kind of came na- naturally. You know, obviously nasty is a is a kind of sounds like a fighting name, but I think it also rhymes with my last name. So you know, to be honest, I was kind of I wasn't called nasty till probably till my when I got into the Western League. You know, when I was younger in the SJHL yeah. stuff, I wasn't really called that, but it just came naturally, and and I kind of just bought onto it and. 
And uh, to this day, I still get called Nasty Morasty. <laughs> and uh, you were an absolute legend in uh, Syracuse. Uh, can you speak a bit on that? I mean, I saw they had a bobblehead night for you over there. Yeah. Oh, Syracuse, you know, that's my second home. I, I have uh, lifelong friends there that I consider family now. And um, Syracuse was a wonderful place. The organization was top class. And, uh, you know, the, the owner, Howard Dolgan and, and Jimmy Sirosi, uh the president, you know, they were they treated me like gold. And, and for that, I'm forever thankful. You know, to this day, I still have a good relationship with those guys. And, and we keep in touch. And, you know, if there's everything, anything I can do to help them out or vice versa, you know, we're always there. So, uh, you know, another big part of theirs was the fans. I mean, we had a big following, and and the fans were were top notch. You know, they they followed me through my whole career, even after I left there. I had people from Syracuse always approaching me, or always calling me, or or just trying to you know get in touch with me. So um, Syracuse was probably, I can honestly say, Syracuse was my best play, place to play in professional hockey. You know, I was just treated like like gold there, and and I'm forever ever thankful for that. And you know, I'm it's always going to be considered a home home to me. So. Um, I have I have a, a guy there, Anthony Lamaki, who's pretty much like my dad, and and uh, it was just a great experience. And you know, when you have a a warm welcoming like that into a city, you know, it, it makes that that much better to play there. And uh, you know, I I did fight a lot there and and and, and made a made an impact there. So it was, it's it's an awesome awesome feeling to have. And can you compare that playing in the KHL uh, overseas? Uh, obviously, the KHL is a lot of different game, right? You know, there's not nearly as much fighting. And, and to be honest, it wasn't wasn't my style of play at the for the most part. You know, it wasn't fun being able to have to pick on a bunch of other guys that didn't really want to fight you. Um, but at the same time, you know, there were some tough guys that went over there. You got guys like Josh Gratton or Chris Simon, who, you know, is a role model that I looked up to growing up, you know, being a, an Indian First Nations enforcer. Um, so it was always awesome to play against those kind of guys. And, you know, they brought Jeremy Oblonsky over there. They brought uh, Kip Brennan. There were so many, so many big guys that get, they brought there. But the thing was, we were all on one team or, you know, wasn't really spread out throughout the league. So, yeah, you, you go from, you know, having to fight every night, sometimes twice a night, uh, to, to barely fight maybe four or five times a year, you know. Uh, another guy they brought there was Trevor Gillies, who was a really tough man. And it was, it's just really hard to... Uh, to, to, to be good at what you do when you when you barely do it, you know. Um, but you know the KHO is another place that I I love the, to have the opportunity to to be able to experience it there. And I mean even the Russian people treated me you know really good and and um, forever forever thankful for that as well because you know Russia was was another place and another chapter in my life that I got to gain a lot of experience and knowledge. So um, uh, you know Russia was a, was a great experience many different uh, uh, professional leagues, obviously over a 15-year career, and I know you played in the UHL, but uh, the one question I was curious about is the LNH, they call it the toughest hockey league in North America. What would you say uh, would be the toughest league that you played in? Uh, I, I wouldn't call it the toughest league in America. I think the, the, the quantity is there, but not the quality. I mean, you, you obviously go to the American League or the NHL, you know, the, the heavyweights that are in that league are, are bottom by far the, the tough guys, you know. Um, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of guys that were in the LNAH or that were even in the AHL that could have beat any other tough guy on any, any given night, you know, in the NHL. But uh, I think I think the LNAH gets that reputation because of, you know, all the bench brawls and, and four, five, six, seven, even ten fights a night, you know. Um, there was always that, that aspect of entertainment. But as far as as far as the true tough guys go, you know the American League was really tough. You know the guys like Trevor Gillies, Steve McIntyre, Jeremy Oblonsky, uh, 
you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah, those those guys are really tough. So, you know, for me to say that the LMH is the toughest hockey league in North America or in the world for that fact is, is uh, I think that's a little far-fetched. I almost thought that sometimes the fights were almost too carried away, you know, like the bench brawls and all that was, was kind of pointless. And, and, I mean, obviously the fans loved it. And, and, you know, there's guys that you hated on the other team that you might want to get a piece of. But at the same time, you know, I enjoy fights and hockey as, as much as any other other fan. But at the same time, you know, you don't you don't want to get it too carried away. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a year in the in the LNH. I think it was the 0405 season where, I mean, yeah, that was probably was the toughest league in the world at that time because you got you had guys like Garrett Burnett, Patrick Cote, Joel Terrio, I mean, Steve Bossy, myself. You know, there was. Sean McMorrow, there were so many guys there that that could hurt you on any given night. So, um, you know, there's there's always different ways to look at it. So, but but don't get me wrong, any league that where guys are willing to fight, I mean, it's it's a tough league out there. And how was the caliber? Obviously, that's where you uh, you were playing at the end of your career for the uh, for the LNAs. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it gets a little bit underrated on the talent. I mean, a lot of those guys did play in the American Hockey League, the NHL. You know, you had guys like Bobby Dallas, all guys that had successful careers in the NHL. Um, the only difference is I think a lot of those guys were older and more, more on their way out and maybe not as in shape and not as young and, and energetic. So, but the skill was, I mean, that, like that, like I said, that one year when St. Jean and, and Sorrell were, were two top teams, I, I, I put them against a lot of the top teams in East coast hockey league or even the lower end of the American hockey league. We had some tough things. You know, we're definitely tougher yeah. um, with, the, with the guys that were on the ice. So. But the, the, the skill was good. I mean, it was a good high-paced caliber hockey. And it was, you know, it was by far entertaining because, you know, like I said, you got to see the old-style hockey where you were going to get a few good fights in that night and some big hits. And I think that's what hockey's lacking nowadays. So uh, just returning to uh, the skill side of things, uh, you were saying that you were a skilled guy growing, growing up. And um, who uh, who was your idol and, like, who, who did you model yourself after when you growing up? Uh, you know, as a younger player, I think my favorite player was always Wendell Clark because I always liked to play physical on top. And, you know, you had a guy like Wendell Clark who was was a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs and, uh, you know, he wasn't scared to fight anybody. So, you know, that was always a guy I looked up to. And then, you know, the older I got, you know, I looked up to guys like Chris Simon, you know, who, who was able to fight but also score some goals. And, you know, obviously being First Nations as well was kind of a, was kind of a cool thing for me because, you know, I'm First Nations. So, you know, if he can do it, I always told myself, well, maybe I can do it. So, um, yeah, it was just being able to have guys that you can look up to to, to follow, right, in their footsteps. No, oh, he was tough as nails. And um, who was uh, who was the best player you've uh, ever played with or against? You know, I got to play against Ovechkin, and and uh, and I also got to play against uh, Malkin. And I'd always think that Ovechkin would have been better, but it was Malkin that was the one that surprised me. Where I went like. You know, and then and then being able to be able to being able to attend you know Columbus Blue Jackets camp, being able to see guys like you know Rick Nash or uh, Jason Jamira, you know, a guy like Mike Commodore treated me like gold when I was there. You know, I'm, you know, so you see all those guys. But you know, I think the one guy that I would say was like where I was wow would have been uh, sorry I went brain dead there. That's probably too many hits to the head. <laughs> but, uh, no worries. Oh, sorry, Malkin. I was talking about yeah, Malkin. Um, another another guy that was amazing to play against in Russia was uh, Radulov, Alexander Radulov. Oh yeah, I mean he's, the, the, the way the guy the guy you could hammer him and he the, the puck would never leave his stick. He's just he was a really strong, powerful skater, and uh, it was really a pleasure to watch him play. 
I think our uh, our listeners would be really interested in the following question. So uh, could you tell me a little bit about what you're up to these days in your everyday life? Uh, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm work I'm working back on my first nations community. I, I originally opened the Tim Hortons right after I retired uh, in uh, my hometown. It was the first ever Tim Hortons in the, in the city of Meadow Lake. So that was kind of a, Good for you. a cool experience, but it was really hard and stressful. So I ended up selling it, but uh you know, now I do a lot of work with uh, my First Nations. I'm one of the leaders on the reserve, and, you know, we just do a lot of growth and I work with a lot of youth, and I'm still up to my farming and, and horses and, and, and doing all that kind of fun stuff and hunting and fishing. So kind of just enjoying life now and, and not having to travel, you know, because that was a big thing playing hockey. I never got to stay stationed at home and, and just relax. So now I get to watch my kids grow and, and uh, you know, watch my son Tristan 16 years old now he's actually playing down in California and starting his career so wow. um, it's really fu- it's really fun to just be able to sit back and relax and, and but but things are good you know I'm I'm happy with life after hockey and you know I'm actually got convinced to play some senior hockey this year so I'm gonna you know try getting some shape here and and uh and play senior hockey with my local senior team here good for you and you only have one son yeah I have one son that I know of And uh, when you're in California, what kind of hockey is he playing over there? Uh, He's playing in the WSHL. It's actually playing with the Fresno Monsters. It's uh, it's a junior A league down in California, and it's pretty much more on the on the West Coast. And uh, so yeah, he just started there about three weeks ago, and I'm gonna make some trips down there and watch him play and and uh, see how he does. Maybe hopefully he'll get in a fight. Maybe he'll get in a fight or two. Yeah, no, don't encourage that too much. But uh, so uh, we'll we'll finish off on a light note. Number one, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. I own a Tim Hortons. Car or motorcycle? I love my Harley. Lucky guy. Uh, 50s or 80s music? Shit, I don't know any 50s music, so I'd have to say 80s. A book or a movie? Movie. I hate reading. <laughs> unless, there's, unless there's lots of pictures. Ski or going snowboarding? Uh, I'm a skier. We've got a cabin at Lake Tahoe. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. What's your favorite there? Uh, Big Mac. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Big Mac is Steve Mac, I guess, eh? Yeah. Swimming in a pool or in the sea? Not uh, in the ocean. I'm scared of sharks, though. Yeah, me too. Summer or winter? Uh, summer. Cat or dog? Dog. You got any dogs? You, I bet you I have an English bulldog. No. So ugly, she's cute. <laughs> I got a Labrador. still trying to train him there, but uh, he passed puppy school with flying colors. Let me finish off by saying this, John. I know uh, there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes in hockey, but you're one of the guys who should have played in the NHL. And uh, as a fan, I feel that that I was absolutely robbed. A lot of YouTube comments, so I'm not the only one to think this. You took on all takers and uh, protected your, t- your teammates from your very first shift to your very last. You had a terrific career and played all over the world, and it's been an honor, and uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was awesome being able to be able to form for you guys. 